we always love having in the show. And I have to say, Lara, every time you're on, it's just this overwhelming response. People just are blown away by the insight you share. So thank you for being here again. Well, thank you so much, Emerald. I love being on your show. You're a brave journalist. You really are. I respect you so Bye. much. Well, coming from you, it means the world to me. Um, I, I do want to touch on something that you said when you were last on the show. We mm-hmm. were talking, you know, about the, 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 the J6 defendants and some of the situations surrounding J6. And you said, we were talking about the MAGAinfo.tv, the J6 tweets that they had, you know, mm-hmm. found that have been deleted on the way back machine. And you said, there were lots of Republicans involved, and we know their names. So I was hoping that you could expound on that for our audience this week. Well, okay. So as a journalist, one of the things that I always try to do to, when, I, when I'm trying to figure out what's true, what's not true, what really happened, is I always look at motive, right? Because um, motive doesn't uh, lie to us, right? And motive tells us a lot. That's why anonymous sources... You know, um, when everything is based purely on anonymous sources, it can be uh, very debilitating for the audience because they they lack the ability to evaluate motive if they don't know where this information is coming from. So when you look at January 6, what you what what is left out of the narrative is very telling, and what we see left out of the narrative, right, is any discussion of the group of Republican senators. Um, and others uh, and congressmen who wanted an audit commission to be formed to discuss the uh, allegations of fraud and to investigate the 2020 election. And in fact, um, what happens as a result of the protests and the response to the protests and the violence that happens is that it shuts down any form of debate over the whole issue of fraud. So it never even comes before the Republican legislators. And, uh, and you know, what's extremely telling for me is that I know January 6th was not an insurrection. I know it because there is nothing about January 6th that actually resembles a real insurrection. It is a joke to even call it an insurrection. That's before you look at all the, you know, the involvement of um, undercover FBI agents and the role that agitators like Antifa played um, that day, the cover-up of uh, 14,000 plus hours of footage that has never been released, the involvement of people like Ray Epps and others who the FBI refused to um, explain, and so on and so on and so on, right? The list is endless. And uh, never mind the fact that uh, people, you know, weren't armed, um, didn't take guns into the Capitol, and so on and so on. No guns were discharged that day, and et cetera, right? And then you have all the people behind bars without trial. So what you have, you know, over time is you look at this and you think, okay, so who are the real beneficiaries of what happened on January 6th? Who had real motive? Well, when you've got Mitch McConnell and other Republican leaders talking about an insurrection, when you know that it wasn't an insurrection. And you know that they're not stupid, right? They have access to a lot more information than I have access to. So why is Mitch McConnell furthering the narrative of his supposed political enemies? That's where the questions really begin. 
because uh, it's very obvious at this point, right, that the Republicans are not interested in doing anything about the injustices that have followed since January 6th. Mitch McConnell is not going to the prison. He is not uh, talking and he's not using his platform and his audience and his power and his position and uh, his role in the, uh, in the GOP and on the Republican side to do anything about the fact that American citizens are in prison without trial, that you have political prisoners. By the way, 72% of those detained uh, um, are veterans, military veterans and law enforcement, right? But apparently the GOP doesn't care, right? They're not doing anything about it. And in fact, when you talk, as I have, to uh, Republicans who are um, running like Christina Caramo, running for Secretary of State in Michigan, and Rachel Handel was a candidate. Uh, she didn't win the primary. Uh, there were some questions there over that election at, in California. But you know, you talk to many, many, many of these people from the candidates all the way to the grassroots, and they will tell you that the GOP is making life torture for them, that the Republican establishment doesn't want anyone talking about the 2020 election. They don't want them talking about fraud. They don't want to investigate fraud. They don't want to go near it, right? And then you have these candidates um, who they call America First candidates. They don't want them supported by Republican donors. They make life difficult for them. They won't campaign for them. There's even been, you know, I, I've been privy to some conversations in states like, for example, Nevada, where they would literally rather support the Democrat candidates than their own nominees, right? Than the GOP's own nominees. There's something very, very wrong with that picture. And it all comes back to the 2020 election and January 6th and the audits and the conversation, at least the debate, over fraud in the 2020 election. There's, it's no secret at this point that Mitch McConnell is done with Donald Trump, right? The Liz Cheney's and the Mitch McConnell's and the establishment of the party, they're done with it. What happened to senators like Ted Cruz and Ron Johnson? They weren't the only ones. Do you remember when they said they were gonna vote, uh, they, were not, they were gonna send it back, right? Send the electoral college votes back? They were going to vote against it, that, um, that people were asking for this to go back to the states and let's just have an honest accounting, right? Let's figure this out. There were state legislators um, in these in states where there were big question marks over the election results, like Arizona, who said, wait a minute, like we regret our certification. We have questions now. We have information we didn't have at the time. And so what happens to all of that? On January 6th, it goes gone, just vanishes. It's done. It never happens. They are never called to account. The GOP and Republican establishment are never called to account in front of the American people. Nothing is sent back to the states. And instead, what happens when DC is under lockdown? What happens? They go in there and they just rubber stamp the most fraudulent election in the history of this country and nobody says a word. In fact, Mitch McConnell comes out calling Americans uh, of his own party, right? Uh, he calls them insurrectionists. Didn't Ted Cruz refer to them as terrorists? I think he had to walk that back pretty fast, right? But that's a long way from sending uh, the Electoral College votes, right? And sending the election back, right? Look how Ted Cruz's position changed on that. 
So, you know, this, this is what leads to some very serious questions over what exactly was the establishment of the Republican Party's role in January 6th, not just in ignoring all the requests for the National Guard, right? Ignoring uh, Trump's own statements about that because Trump requested reinforcements. He said there's going to be a lot of people. They never come out in support of the Americans who went to the Capitol that day. Americans have had their bank accounts closed. You don't hear Republicans generally talking about it. And what do you hear from Republican candidates, you know, as uh, an incumbent, right? You hear the party doesn't want us to go there. Look at the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Matt Gateses and the Louis Gohmerts. Louis Gohmert, I mean, for goodness sake, these people uh, are the few people on the Republican side who will have anything to do with January 6th. Why not? Why not? It's got nothing to do with uh, insurrection, okay? It's got nothing to do with the violence because when you look at the videos, and you know, this is a big big story and this is a big task and real journalism is hard emerald you know that right i mean getting to the bottom of these things is really really hard and you know who's not helping the establishment of the gop they're not helping anybody get to the bottom of this there's so many things that they could have done and, I, and they haven't done it and that is is a is a huge and I indicator I do too, and I would go so far as to say, uh, Lara, because I also watch very closely what people do as opposed to what they say, right? We've seen mm -hmm. the GOP establishment do so many things in the last few months and many members of Congress that benefit Democrats of the Biden administration when they were so far down in polls on a generic bat mm -hmm. ballot, Republicans had it easily by, you know, up until March of this year. And then that lead is slowed and slowed and slowed. And it seems to me, based on, you know, what we're talking about, and we've talked about it before, they don't, people in America are demanding accountability for what's going on with the J6 defendants and also the election. And if they're in the majority, they're expected to provide that accountability. And I don't think they want to. There's no indication that they actually want to do it. They talk about, oh, when we win the midterms and we get into power, we're going to have investigations. Well, you know what? Didn't we see that over Benghazi? Didn't they have investigations that went nowhere? Remember that? And by the way, you know, is that really your only option? Is that really your only recourse? People broke the law, right? I mean, people actually broke the law and committed crimes. You know, there is such a thing as a Justice Department um, if it's used properly. There is such a thing as a rule of law. There is such a thing as enforcing the law. And you know, I, I mean, Emerald, you tell me what you think. But when I talk to people every single day, no matter where I go in this country, you know, even California and New York, they want you to believe that these states are all sewn up and they're blue forever and blah, blah, blah. I don't find that is not my personal experience. When I go there and speak to people as I do, you know, pretty regularly, I travel a lot. And I talk to everyone that I encounter and I hear from a lot of people. People want accountability. You know why? Because Americans know that if you don't stand up for the principles, right? If you just sit by and you say, oh, phew, thank goodness I didn't go to the Capitol on January 6th. They're not coming for me. You know what happens to you? If it's not your bank account being shut down, it's your business being shut down, right? When 
companies like Salesforce that are just political operations now, that they are just going to shut down your, your cloud and you're not going to have any access to your own business records, right? Look at what's happening. Cell phone companies, they're refusing to send messages. You know, you talked about that list, right, of all the, the, uh, the tweets on January 6th and after that that were deleted by Twitter that MagoInfo.tv was tracking in real time. You know what they found when they were trying to make that uh, all that available to their subscribers? Is that the cell phone companies were blocking those messages going to their own subscribers. Okay, we have a real problem in this country because Republicans are not doing anything about that. So you don't expect the Democrats to do anything about it because you know where they stand on this. And, you know, God help any Democrat who does stand up because they'll be they'll be slaughtered faster than any Republican, right? I mean, they're as ruthless with their own as they are with the other side, if not more. And Media Matters for America talks about that, right? That's codified in their, uh, in their strategic document that they wrote in the wake of Trump's election. They say that, go after our own harder than we go after the other side. Make sure no Democrat normalizes Trump. Make sure nobody crosses party lines. Nobody does anything bipartisan. Look how long it took Joe Manchin. I mean, you know, every day was sort of breathtaking that he held out as long as he did, but eventually he capitulated. And that is the pressure is unbearable for most of these people. And the average American knows that it's got nothing to do with Democrat and Republican at this point. It really has nothing to do with it. The average person knows that the gap between the government and their so-called leaders is just is growing every single day. And what we have now are a whole bunch of people in power, a whole bunch of people in the media with megaphones who do not represent the people they claim to represent. And more than that, they don't respect them and they don't care. They don't go and visit them in prison. They don't demand that their families be allowed to visit them. Not one of these prisoners has been allowed to visit from their families. They don't demand justice. They don't enforce the constitution. They don't enforce the rule of law. And you can't hide this any longer. It's gone on too long. They're still recommending, I mean, good Lord, look at Virginia. Look at the governor. Everybody said, oh, wow, you know, the elections do work. We got a Republican in power in Virginia, a Republican who is advocating that people get vaccinated, right? Who's still backing the vaccination, the vaccine mandates and look, and look what is happening. Look what is happening. That the, the lies of COVID are crumbling everywhere and the body count from the vaccines is going up every day. They banned uh, the, the vaccines in several countries for, I mean, in the UK, they banned it for children under 12. I think it was Denmark where they banned it for people under the age of 50. And what do we hear from our leaders? What do we hear from our leaders? They fudge the data, they lie, they cover for their colleagues, and they throw us a few breadcrumbs every now and then, saying, oh, and we win the midterms, and no one addresses the fact that, how are you going to win the midterms? How are you going to win the midterms? What are you doing to address the fraud? Maybe they will. Maybe it'll be overwhelmed, and maybe there are enough honest people at the polls. But do we know that? Do we know that? We have absolutely no idea. And the Republicans certainly don't seem to be very concerned about it, which is in itself, you know, that is definitely a place I would encourage people to start asking questions. If you're not concerned about it, why not? Yeah.
Absolutely. And, you know, people get upset with us. I, I know they do me. I'm sure they do too, you as well, when you say that because they say, oh, you're going to suppress voter turnout if you talk about this. And I don't think that's the case. You have to tell people what's actually going on. And you're right. The Republicans have not addressed election fraud and they don't seem to want to be in the majority. But, you know, Mike Lindell, who is always out there trying to trying to fix this problem himself, uh, does say, you know, when people show up on the polls overwhelmingly on the same day, at the day of voting, day of voting does make a difference. But other than that, you know, Lara, I'm very skeptical about this big Republican wave in the midterms. I'm extremely skeptical, especially as I see 538 and other polls on the, that are left-leaning. They're also a big indicator suggest, oh, wait, yeah. Democrats could hold the House. It's like they're laying the groundwork for people not, you know, they're already laying yeah. the narrative. And you have to pay attention. These are context clues, right? It's like when you were in elementary school and they taught you context clues or when you were in literature in high school to look for what's not necessarily on the in the lines, but between the lines. I think we've got to do that. I'm so glad you do that, Lara. Thanks for being with us. You know what, Emerald, what you're talking about in information warfare terms is called shaping operations, right? They shape the battlefield of information to prepare you for an outcome. So when you with these, what you call, you know, those little breadcrumbs that you call, those are very clear indicators of information warfare operations. Because we, just like we were told, here's the classic one. There's going to be a blue wave in Texas, Beto O'Rourke, whose real name is Robert Francis, right? Who's got not an ounce of Mexican blood in him and is not Hispanic in the least and is against God and is against guns and is against gas. And we're supposed to believe it in the great state of Texas. He's making massive inroads. No. Okay. Just because the cities are going blue doesn't mean they're really going blue. I mean, you have a guy, Haida Garcia. He's a, he's a guy who was roasted in the, real, in the Philippines when he was working, I believe it was for Smartmatic, when he was working um, over there. And uh, he's, he's called in front of you know, the uh, politicians in the Philippines to answer questions over election fraud. He goes to a county outside of, in Dallas, right? Uh, and he turns in one election cycle when he's there, a county that's been uh, Republican for more than 60 years turns blue. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, come on. So even, even the changes that you see in the cities, they're a lot right? Because when it's too big a, a leap to change it on a macro level, right, where they're going to, you know, change the whole state in one go because nobody's going to buy it, they've been systematically chipping away at it from the bottom up in every county after county yeah. after And so when you see this, all this talk in the media of a blue wave in Texas, I can tell you, I live in the state of Texas, right? You go all around Texas, you're not hearing people. You know what? Hispanic people say in my town, they, they stand up there. When Beto O'Rourke came here, they were standing there with signs saying, not a real Mexican, right? You can't fool people. They know Robert Francis O'Rourke is not a real Mexican, right? And that he changed his name. And so what, what you see happening here is an information warfare operation now to prepare you for the idea that, oh, a red wave may not actually happen right? Well, the Democrats may still hold on to Congress. That's to make it believable when it happens, because it's so unbelievable when compared to reality that if we don't get manipulated, when nobody's going to buy it. So that's what, those are the breadcrumbs, you know, and, and it's great that you pointed it out because 
These are the clues. People say to me all the time, I bet they say the same thing to you, that how do I know what's true and what's not true? Well, these breadcrumbs, they are the keys to patterns and they show you the same patterns over and over again. Try to identify as many of these information warfare operations as you can, right? They don't all follow the same pattern. We have other ones that are just based on complete denial i.e. there is no crisis at the southern border, inflation isn't happening, and Americans are also divided, they hate each other. You know, every race in this country hates each other. And, you know, you're a white supremacist, no matter what you, not what the color of your skin, right? These are all based on complete denial because they literally have nothing left. They have nothing left. And so they're just gonna range you through it, right? They're gonna range you through it because they know they have a compliant media who's never gonna call them to account. And what they're actually doing is covering up a real policy that they don't want you to look at. Nobody in this country was asked to vote yeah. on an open border, were they? Democrats and Republicans do not support an open border. And yet that's what we have, right? So that's what they're covering up. So uh, these are, these, these patterns really help you get to the truth if you, can, if you can start to keep an eye out for them. And they do. And the more people that pick up on them, the more people that understand and the more people wake up, it's harder for them to do and to pull off. And that's why we have to keep talking about it, even if even if people get upset with us. Thank you so much, Lara Logan. It's always good to see you. <laughs> it's great to see you, Emerald. Thank you. Take care. You too. That does it for us. Join us here again tomorrow for more Absolute Truth. I want to bring in Dr. Peter McCall. Dr. McCall, we only got a minute here. We're going to hold you through the break. Uh, tell our audience, particularly the podcast radio audience, that was incredibly powerful. What did we just see there? We just saw a montage uh, implicating, I think, clearly demonstrating that the COVID-19 vaccines, actually all of them, cause myocarditis or heart inflammation, and it's fatal. It's fatal. This is a fatal complication, and these products are still in use. America is outraged. Uh, Dr. McCullough, hang on for one second. Dr. McCullough, uh, walk through what's happened to you over the last 72 hours. What was this controversy that you went from having uh, a tremendous amount of Twitter followers? And we have in the middle of this, Elon Musk is buying this and saying, hey, you know, they're trying to negotiate with management team and there's going to be a platform for everybody in a town square. What what happened to you? What 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 happened with Twitter and what caused that? You know, the context was I was previously suing Twitter as one of a multi-plaintiff case. And Twitter prevailed in this. It was regarding cancellation of uh, previous accounts. Twitter prevailed based on SLAP, that they said our lawsuit was a strategic lawsuit against their public participation in the conversation. So Twitter asserted that by manipulating accounts, uh, by using artificial intelligence, bots, and other technology, that they can participate in the COVID-19 conversation, as opposed to Twitter executives going out and saying what they think, they're manipulating our accounts. Then uh, last week, we saw some instability in followers. Uh, we presume bots being subtracted and added to accounts on the news that Musk was going to acquire Twitter. Then October 6th, all of my followers, 512,000 followers, were drained to zero. And I know millions of people are on my feed. Twitter actively unfollows them. We had already screenshotted that. Uh, and uh, and then uh, shortly after, my account was suspended. 
Twitter would not let me back up my account. I had thousands of scientific abstracts, manuscripts, and videos and posting. My tweeting pattern hadn't changed, so nothing had changed. Uh, I'm, we're over a year on this account, and now Twitter is backpedaling. Hang on for a second. Was there anything you had put up different than the normal peer-reviewed journals and articles that you normally put up? Is there anything that up to the 6th that you did over and above what you have been doing every day since I've known you? There was no change. Uh, you know, when the last thing I posted was the clip you just showed of the Vaccine uh, Safety Research Foundation on that, uh, that documentary called Are the Kids Okay?, which was simply showing uh, Senate testimony in peer-reviewed publications. That's as solid as it gets, Steve. Let's walk. Let's talk about that for a second. This is a pretty, pretty um, blunt statement. You're saying the vaccine you think is one of the causes or could be a cause of myocarditis, and that's killing kids. When you go back to the evidence, and, and you've spent your entire professional career with the evidence and the facts, walk us through, walk, walk the audience through the case you build for that based on the evidence. First, we start with biologic plausibility. Uh, the vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, as well as Johnson & Johnson, are genetic code that's loaded on lipid nanoparticles. Before COVID, these lipid nanoparticles in published papers from China, we knew that they would go everywhere in the body, into the brain, the heart, the adrenal glands, the reproductive organs, uh, and that we know the genetic code codes for the Wuhan spike protein. This is the dangerous part of SARS-CoV-2. It was engineered in research from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Harvard, and a Swiss Institute. This was published in the best journals in 2015. It was told to the medical world that SARS-CoV-2 was being engineered. The work was done in the lab in Wuhan, China, but it was U.S. research done, funded by the National Institutes of Health. And now this code for the spike protein is installed in the heart, and a paper by Bowmeyer and colleagues from Germany, uh, taking biopsies of hearts of people who have myocarditis finds a spike protein in the heart. So it's there, it's present and accounted for. Uh, there now are 200 papers, Steve, showing that the myocarditis causes heart damage and a scar, and then the scar becomes the basis for a cardiac arrhythmia. And then the arrhythmia is responsible for the sudden death that we're seeing. And we're seeing sudden death now on a massive scale in younger people. And we, in, in, um, it's my view that it's the COVID-19 vaccine until proven otherwise. If a healthy person suddenly dies and there's no antecedent disease, it's the vaccine until proven otherwise. Now, it can easily be ruled out if the family comes forward and tells America they didn't take the vaccine. Fine, we rule out the vaccine. Otherwise, I think the operating assumption should be that it is the vaccine. That's a conservative regulatory approach. The majority of adult Americans have taken the vaccine. Okay, given the fact of you've got the finest medical institutions in, in the world, in the nation, um, that are helping to promulgate what Fauci knows, there's been this maniacal focus on young people getting the vaccine. And you've had not just pharma, not just the corporate interests, but you've had, the inter you've had medical schools, you've had these uh, NGO uh, scientific research, you've seen uh, every night on MSNBC and CNN from Johns Hopkins to Harvard to Yale, I mean, the elite of the elite. How could this possibly go on when I've never heard any of them talk about the evidence you just put forward? How, how could that possibly, 
How could you have a conspiracy so vast, sir? It's willful blindness. No, the FDA says as of June 2021 that the vaccines cause myocarditis. The FDA says this. So these commentators from these institutions are willfully blind to what the FDA says is going on. They're willfully blind to, you know, 200 or more peer-reviewed publications. Recent paper by Patone and colleagues in Circulation, the best cardiology journal, describes 100 fatal cases of myocarditis in the peer-reviewed literature. And everything that you showed on that clip is, is accurate. Steve, this is willful blindness. These academic institutions do not want to face the music that the COVID-19 vaccines are injuring the heart and causing large numbers of deaths. Dr. McCullough, one of the unspoken realities, because we've been here from the very beginning, both with the pandemic and with the steel of 2020, and now with this looks like sweeping victory. Uh, one of the biggest parts of the reason that American people are rising up in this victory is the medical freedom movement. Of course, the Democrats have not wanted to talk about that, anything in this campaign. Um, wh what, what would you request? Given we would take the House, you'd have Rand Paul in the Senate. What would be the, the medical freedom movement of what you're one of the leaders of what would you request of the new congress to get to the bottom of this what, what what do you think has to happen what would be your recommendation i think myself and all americans the single greatest thing they want to know is where do the candidates stand on the vaccine are they supporting the vaccine at this point in time or are they questioning the safety and the efficacy you know 47 congressmen sent they were all republicans but they sent a letter to lloyd austin in the military and they told him listen the vaccines aren't working. They're not safe. Drop the mandates. Reinstate our military who have been discharged or dismissed and give them back pay. We needed to see everybody in Congress do that. I think all the candidates, every single one, all the way up and down the line, need to tell Americans where they stand on the vaccine. The vaccine is the single greatest issue on people's minds because they're losing their jobs. They're under extreme pressure right now. They're seeing their loved ones be injured. Uh, and sadly dying with the vaccine. And that's the only thing people honestly at this point in time care about. It's way bigger than inflation. It's way bigger than any other political fights between the two parties. We need to know where they stand. Are you open uh, with the new Congress of being one of the advisors? Because I know right now they're thinking of setting up a special select committee to get to the bottom of not just the vaccine, but to get to the bottom of Wuhan and all of it. Are you open to be uh, a consultant for that or advisor to that? Obviously, you'd be called as a witness. Would you, would you also help people put this together? Yeah, I'd be delighted. I've already been a lead witness uh, and co-moderator of two Senate testimonies and multiple state Senate testimonies, which you've seen. I'd be happy to help the nation in any way I can. Uh, so many Americans reach out to me and they just want to get to the bottom of this. Why have this, why has this not been stopped why are our agencies not protecting uh, the safety of Americans? Why does this continue on? Uh, people can see through this now. The vast majority of Americans see this very clearly. Uh, how can people, how can this audience help you on this Twitter thing? Or is this something that's just got to be worked out? Because this is outrageous. Not only did you have 500,000, you had an actively engaged Twitter account. I would see the people retweet your stuff, particularly the peer-reviewed journal, the articles, all of it. How is that going to get worked out? Well, my tech and legal teams are engaged with Twitter right now. I was just texting them before I came on. You know, Joe Ladapo, Surgeon General, just had 
his analysis of excess death in young people, males age 18 to 39 from Florida, he had Twitter take that down and then become canceled himself, and then they've now resurrected it. We've seen a tremendous sweeping acts of censorship. Recently, PayPal announced that they were going to uh, charge accounts $2,500 if PayPal determined that users were, uh, you know, spreading COVID misinformation. You know, PayPal is not a place where anybody can post information. How is PayPal going to adjudicate this? How are they going to make the determination? And how in the world are they, were they going to subtract $2,500 from people's accounts? PayPal quickly backpedaled and said, no, they didn't mean to do this. I think that someone has approached PayPal and they tried to induce PayPal to somehow now get into payment systems and influence the COVID narrative. People ought to be asking questions, Steve, because what's next? Bank of America, Citibank, people's mortgages, their retirement. We need to ask serious questions. Dr. McCullough, tell everybody I meet, they got to read your book on uh, on COVID-19. Uh, how do people get uh, to your book? How do they get to you? And what, what social media do you still have left and, and, and what website? Well, go to my website, PeterMcCulloughMD.com. I'm active on Getter and Truth Social. Uh, being struck down from Twitter temporarily or potentially permanently, I started a sub stack. Uh, it's called the Courageous Discourse sub stack with best-selling author John Leake. John and I wrote the book together, Courage to Face COVID.com. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I have an active following. It's even larger. Each one of these acts of censorship uh, makes my influence even greater. And for those trying to censor the truth, it's backfiring every step of the way. Those who are trying to censor you and the war room, each time you become more influential with these acts of censorship. No, it's the it's the irony of it all. Dr. McCullough, honored to have you on here, a true patriot and hero. So thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you. You'd think they would know that since Tony Fauci and everyone in the U.S. government and everyone at your kid's school and everyone on television and Morning Joe and all the rest of them knew for a fact, but Pfizer didn't even know. And we know that because Pfizer executive Janine Small answered questions on Monday at the European Parliament, and here's how it went. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please Say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. Oh, the speed of science! That's the speed at which you're moving too fast to do science and you just sort of hope for the best and yell at anyone who disagrees with your preferred and hoped for outcome. The speed of science. Rob Rose is the man you just saw on, on tape. He's a conservative member of the European Parliament. He's from the Netherlands and we are grateful to have him on tonight. Rob, thanks so much for coming on. Um, did you know the answer to that question when you asked it and were you shocked by what she said? 
Well, good evening, Tucker. Um, it really was a special moment. For the first time, Pfizer admitted that the vaccine was not tested on stopping the transmission of the virus when it entered the market. And this has massive implications. Governments pushed millions of people worldwide to get vaccinated by telling them um, by telling me, telling you to, to, to do it for your grandmother. And they yes. tricked perfectly healthy young people into taking this jab using false arguments. And they used big words such as antisocial to saw an immense hatred against people who refused to comply with the government's wishes. And even worse, many governments, including mine, actually introduced so-called COVID passports. These passports made access to parts of society conditional. Those who did not wish to get vaccinated lost that access, not being able to visit a restaurant or a gym, all in the name of public health. Our governments love to t talk about institutional discrimination, but this was real institutional discrimination. Yes. In many countries, like the US and Italy, Vaccine mandates were introduced for certain professions. Many people lost their job, their livelihood, their business, because they stood by their principles. Austria even had a lockdown for the unvaccinated because of this reason. The government literally imprisoned people within their own homes. All of this was based on the idea that vaccination helps prevent the spread of the virus. Otherwise, why should people out of society. But this has now proven to be a big lie. Even the president of, um, for international development market of Pfizer now admits that there was no scientific basis to say vaccination would stop the transmission of the virus. And I find this one of the biggest scandals of our time. The politicians responsible for this will be angry that people are looking back at this time, but I won't forget what they did to millions of people, and if we are a democracy, we should have accountability, and that's what yes. I'm calling for. Yes, if we are a democracy, and by the way, Pfizer knew this, none of its executives bothered to correct these politicians, and yet no Pfizer executive has been charged with the crime they committed, which is pretty unbelievable. I wish we had more politicians like you in Washington. Rob Rose, thank you for coming on tonight. We are really grateful. Thank you very much. Have a good evening.